Right now, switch your family to T-Mobile and get four lines for $25 a line with AutoPay and 5G access included on America's largest 5G network. So don't wait. Get unlimited and nationwide 5G access for the whole family for just $25 a line. Visit a T-Mobile store or T-Mobile.com today. Plus taxes and fees. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using over 50 gigs a month due to data prioritization. Video at 480p. Unlimited while on our network. Qualifying credit for plus lines required. Capable device required for 5G. Coverage not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain features. See T-Mobile.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Fire Escape. Hey, y'all. You, 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 you. Uh, we are coming to you today, hot, ready to roll, mm. talking about transatlanticism. Uh, we're going to try and delve a little bit into the state of emergency, state of emergency, uh, and try and explain that to all you uh, people across the pond if, the best like, we can. Like, like me. Yeah. People yeah. Like, me. Exactly like Howell. Like you. Like Howell. <laughs> Howell is coming to us. We've sent Howell live to London. Yeah. We'll, Germany? We'll, no, not Germany. No, London. <laughs> London. I am. I am the uh, Brexit correspondent of the Fire Escape, the official Brexit correspondent. Yeah, we have we have questions about Brexit. Yeah, we do. Like, we do. what is it? Yep. Uh, does does, it, even, does it, it come with fries? Yeah. <laughs> Chips. Chips. Um, we'll, we'll have one. Just is it just the opposite of an Irish exit, where you like <laughs> you just. Overwhelmingly go. I'm terribly sorry. I have to go. Terribly sorry. Terribly sorry. You just sorry. don't actually ever la- leave. You yeah, just apologize you just apo- <laughs> for having to leave over and over again. Yeah. Is that what Brexit is? I don't know. Yeah, we we don't know. <laughs> um, and toward the at some point in the episode, you will learn where Nick Fury, direct, from? director of Shield, is from. Yeah. Very real to anybody in in Britain. R- Nick Fury is Shield is a very real yes. American. Uh, yes. intelligence operation. Yeah, all of it. All of it's true, man. Yeah, we learned. We Captain learned. America. I did. Real. I did a lot of snooping. You know, I, I, I spied on him. Spied on the super spy, and we learned. We learned some information about old, our friend Nick Fury, and uh, you will find out. He's actually from Wales, is what you're going to tell everybody. Yeah. Isn't it? Oh. <laughs> we'll see. Maybe he's from Wales. Also, we're, we we hereby call out John Oliver. Oh uh, yeah. I don't know if anybody watched the not this most recent episode of last week tonight, but the one before that, in which he described he was talking about Brexit and he kind of explained it to me. Uh but I want to hear it from straight from the horse's mouth. Yeah. Uh and he said that the he was, you know, explaining the United Kingdom was really uh four different countries, a fab four, and then he said, I won't uh I don't want to say which one of them is Ringo because that would be unfair to Wales. <laughs> Damn. That's a double strike. So, yeah, double strike. We're fans of Ringo here yep. and we're obviously fans of Wales. Yeah. Big fan of Ringo, partly because he was always he always had such great hair, which is of course it's the same thing that can be said about almost any Welshman. Yeah. Exactly. Look at yeah, any exactly. photo look at any photo of Tom Jones at any point of his life immaculate coiffurage on the top of his head is all I'm saying. You know, look at Shirley Bassey. I yeah. mean, incredible bouffant. Look at, look at Dylan Thomas. I mean, an astonishing new sort of well-kept sort of curly creation, ginger curly creation going on the top of his head. So yeah. don't look up any photos That's of it. Anthony Hopkins. Just trust us when we say it's great. It's full, yeah. just full yeah. as it can be. Just trust us. Yeah. yeah. Great, don't look it great, up. Don't look it up. I see you trying to look it up. Don't do it. Great, yeah. great wigs on Anthony Hopkins is the thing that we should, you know, 
Yeah. Great wig. Catherine Zeta-Jones. Catherine, yeah, she's got great hair. She has great hair. Did I ever tell you that my um, he used to, he, Anthony Hopkins went to the same school as my um, my dad and my uncles? Did I tell you that story? No. Yeah, he, he went to a school called um, Cowbridge uh, Grammar School. Cowbridge is a small town in South Wales uh, near Cardiff and um, quite a well-to-do part of the country now. And I think it was probably fairly well-to-do back then, but on the edge of the valleys. And um, But uh, my dad and his uncle, uh, my, my uncles aren't from Cowbridge, but they're not too far away. And, you know, it was like a really good local school. But, yeah, I think when my uncle was there, I think Hopkins might have been a – Hopkins – might have been a um, might have been a pupil, and I remember him telling me that he was well known because he had a gift for mimicry. Oh, he could do him. Yeah, Hopkins could do impressions of everybody. So that was his like secret superpower in school. I think my uncle told me the story that he would like had a habit of like going to the toilet, and then when he'd go to the to- as in Hopkins would go to the loo, excuse him to go to the loo himself to go to the toilet, and then when he was on his way to the toilet, he'd like put his head around the door of other classrooms and like shout out obscenities in the voice of the headmaster or something like that. You know. Oh, that's pretty great. Uh- Oscar-winning glory, clearly, in the future for a young whippersnapper like that. True. That is right. True, true. All right. Yeah. Let's roll the music and let's get into it. Roll it. Yo. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to the fire escape. <laughs> Just shock. immediately turns into shock jock morning radio. One day we're going to yeah. do that. <laughs> One day it'll happen. Special like, episode. Would you say how? of Howard Stern's, doppel, doppel, Howard Stern's doppelganger has found his way into the studio. So. Yes, exactly. Oh, yeah, dude. Yo, yeah. Baba Booey, you know? All that good stuff. <laughs> we are two dudes from Alabama. Rotan. Rotan. And a Welsh Londoner. Never more true than in this moment. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, in other moments that Howell has been in London. Yeah. yeah. Right I now guess, he is there, so. Yeah. I guess in terms of my sort of, lot of times in my life, Welsh London is still accurate, but it hasn't been feeling right to me every time we've said it out loud in the intro for some time, because I'm just never in London. I'm mostly in Wales, and or I guess I've been in the States. Maybe Welsh nomad at the moment, or Welsh limbo, yeah. <laughs> or something yeah. like that. Might be a slightly more accurate description. Welsh New Yorker, Welsh American, Welsh, Welsh Ranger. Yeah. yeah, I am. I am in London though today. This is true. I am in London. Welsh American German Ranger. <laughs> Ranger. Uh, Strider. Yeah. Welsh American Ranger German Warg. I'm just trying to figure out a way to, much like Shield. I'm just trying yeah. to figure out a way to make the acronym uh, where, yeah, like yeah. fit perfectly in. Um, also, we're going to talk about transatlanticism, tell stories, and whinge about life in the big cities. Yeah. I said two, two, two cities because we're in two cities today. So, you know, it's the yeah. big city and the big smoke. The big smoke. The big smoke. Oh, I don't know what they call London. London. I mean, I presume London, I presume London was called the big smoke because it used to be very smoky. Yeah, I feel like that's probably a Factories. industrial res- revolution uh, time, and then I guess it just stuck. The big smoke. The, yeah. I like that though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, going down into the big smoke. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, there's a great opening. Um, uh, if you there also like London back in Dickensian times used to be um like really well known for the fog. You know? Yeah, right. Which I wasn't guess, that I just mean, pollution? It wasn't actually fog. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was like they there's there's an old um have you ever heard of a pea super? Oh yeah, like the fog is as thick as pea soup. Yeah, the th- the fog is as thick as pea soup, exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um there's a um uh, there's a famous uh, opening of a Dickens novel called Bleak House which talks which talks talks about tox which talks about the fog and um mm-hmm. And it's like I'm going to look it up actually because it really illustrates like what sort of the thickness of the London murk. Why I think the big smoke and like the idea of the fog comes from. It goes here. It goes ready. Ready. Yeah. So this this is this is London basically. London, Michaelmas term lately over, and the Lord Chancellor sitting in Lincoln's Inn Hall. Implacable November weather. As much mud in the streets as if the waters had but newly retired from the face of the earth, and it would not be wonderful to meet a megalosaurus 40 feet long or so, waddling like an elephantine lizard up Holborn Hill. Smoke lowering down from chimney spots, making a soft black drizzle with flakes of soot in it as big as full-grown snowflakes, gone into mourning, one might imagine, for the death of the sun. There you are. That's, that's the opening of Bleak House. Damn. There Pretty we much go. sums up. Some fog everywhere, it says. Sounds fog like a Bleak everywhere. House. Does. Fog up the river, fog up the river where it flows among green eights and meadows, fog down the river where it rolls defiled among the tears of shipping and the waterside pollutions of a great and dirty city. There you are, fog I'm gonna, and soot. I'm gonna we will have smoke. fog in the cities, uh, we will have fog on the beaches. Yeah, fog there in the will be fog. We, we will never get rid of fog, we will keep it forever. We will we'll fight them with the fog. Um, yeah. There you are. That's London. That's what I walked back to. In fact, I was um, on Saturday night. I had to go into the central end, to the West End. Um, I went to see my friend, the very uh, brilliant actor John Heffernan. See, look him up, people. He's a very uh, becoming a very well respected stage actor in the UK. But I went to see him do a Pinter play at the Pinter Theatre in the West End. But I walked through central London, and it was absolutely fucking bananas. I mean, it was. I couldn't remember it being that busy. It was sort of mad. It was like sort of a vision of the future. It was just like so many people. There were sort of motorbikes speeding around and um, like music bearing. It was weird. It felt much more intense than New York City on a Saturday night. Really? Like, you know, but you know how Manhattan weirdly can seem sort of oddly empty on the weekends. Yeah. Strangely. But, but it was like it was like Times Square times 50. But in central London, it was really weird. Wow. Anyway, hmm. there you are. Rule. Yep. Uh, did you, like, see, well, did you see Zowie in the uh, Pinter plays as well? Uh, no, she starts this week, I think. The lovely Zowie Ashton, yeah. She um, is about to open this week. So, no, I didn't get to see her Rolling. do her thing yet. Rolling. But I will. Is she... Is she uh, oh, wait, that's not... I always get her confused with Bass Pro Shop friend. No, not Bass Pro Shop. Oh, yeah. right, yeah, who's, who's not really a friend, but yeah. Yeah. Um, no, we're talking about listeners, um, the actress Sally Ashton, who I think we will be getting on the show at some point soon this year, but is, she's about to start a production of Betrayal, the play Betrayal by Harold Pinter at the Pinter Theatre in central London. And she's uh, starring with um, Tom Hiddleston, of all people, and also Charlie Cox, who I think is better known to American audiences as Daredevil, I think. Yes. Wait, who's Todd yeah, Hindle? They, Tom Hiddleston is better known to Americans as Loki. So Loki oh, and Daredevil, yeah, cool. Loki and Daredevil are doing a play with my friends out in the central London. Yeah, that almost uh, before we that gets us into, say, yeah. into something. But before we, I already saw Pete's brain turning on mm-hmm. that. Uh, I think that it might have started because uh, Old Zowie got a get a little shout out on Instagram that I saw this morning from Tandy Newton. Oh, did she? Tandy Newton. Oh, so cool. Yeah. 
uh, maybe so or maybe she just saw a preview or something like yeah. that. I don't really know how oh, right. how it all works, but you know, she was like, "Oh, you know, it was lovely seeing Zoe Ashton in this Pinter play uh, right, right. last this today or last night or whenever it was." But uh, that also ties back in Anthony Hopkins because Tanya Newton's in Westworld. Anthony Hopkins is uh, in Westworld. Yeah. It's, all it's all coming, coming together. Mm. Well, while we're connecting, uh, yeah. fictional worlds. Uh, and, Marvel and, Cinematic Universe. That's right. Yeah, as uh, as uh, mentioned. Also, Karen Doctor Who Nebula. Yes, it's that's everything. the one I was it's thinking everything. of. Karen Doctor Who. Well, all it's just proof that all all of those roads—the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the uh, the Wild. Oh, wait, oh, I just had his name in my head. The Westworld, Westworld. guy. Who? Anthony it's, no, no, oh. uh, Michael Crichton, right? Michael Crichton. Did he do that? He did. He right? wrote that. Yeah. yeah. Um, all of these incredible. R. R. Michael Crichton pulled yep. out. All these fictional worlds all intersect, and the uh, the lovely the lovely roads of uh, of Alabama, Rocket City. Yeah, man. So in this, wait, how does Michael Crichton come into this? Oh, I don't know. They just don't worry about it. Why are you questioning everything so much? Well, Samuel L. Jackson was in Jurassic Park, so Boom. there we go. <laughs> See? So in the in the uh, synchronicity in the new uh, the upcoming Marvel flick, Captain Marvel. <laughs> Um, they've been re- releasing some trailers. I was just was reading or a little teasers, um, but I was just reading a uh, reading al dot com this morning, and there was a you know I mean it's like the most pointless little article in the world, just maybe about eight words. But in the clip, uh, you know Nick Fury, the I think he's, he's his official title is the director of Shield, yes, um, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, played by Samuel L. Jackson. Um, mm-hmm. He is at a diner with. I think the woman who plays, who is Captain Marvel, um, and Brie Larson is her name. Oh, is that who? It yeah, is? yeah. Um, she's she's kind of questioning who he is and ask where he's from, and very quickly says Huntsville, Alabama. But I don't really remember that part. And then the conversation keeps on breezing through. On account of he was born, and you know that's right. You don't remember being born. It's deep, right. man. And uh, and so al dot com literally wrote an article that was like. Yeah, uh, Nick Fury is from. It says he's from Huntsville, Alabama. We don't really know if it's true or not, but that's what he says, and we're going to claim him. And that was the end of the article. Also, yeah. speaking of other synchronicity, uh, Brie Larson, who plays Captain, Captain Marvel, Marvel. Uh, I believe she's from Texas. But the, but a bigger point is she is in, in all types of synchronicity a uh, a London based uh, publication she's on the cover of right now called Stylist Magazine, mm-hmm. uh, which is you know a, a UK uh, I would assume style publication lifestyle one, type. One mm. could assume yes. One could assume that. But uh, friend of the show, friend of me and Pete, uh, college co uh, you know uh, co alumnus with who us. Who are you talking about? I'm talking about who took the pictures for the cover of the magazine, Carly Palmer. Really? Yeah. Uh-uh. Yeah. Damn, Carly. Okay. Yeah. Where'd it go? Know. I didn't know that. Wait, the, recently. This is like a modern thing. Yeah, it just came out today. And Carly took the picture of Brie Larson. Yeah. That's on the cover of Style, style magazine. and Crumpets. Yeah. St- Crumpet Style. Wow. The Great British Bake Off magazine. I did not know that. Way to yeah. go, Carly. There we go. Um, big shout out. We'll probably get her on the show Bama. at some point in time. Yeah. She's Bur- done Birmingham all native. Types of Birmingham native. Done all types of... Uh, mostly documentary work uh some people may have seen some of the documentaries out True. there Man. the devil we know uh that was the most recent one i forgot yeah. the the other ones but they're good that's pretty cool 
That's pretty cool. That's My pretty apologies ro- for getting that's pretty rolling. Yeah, it's rolling, yeah. man. Bama. Bama. In the house. Um, so let's synchronicity get... all over the place. I mean, I'm just seeing connections everywhere right now. You know what I mean? Yeah, dude. Time's no a flat coincidence. Circle. Only providence. See you, Basque. Times a flat circle. See yeah, man. Um, um, yeah. So let's get to it. Yeah. Howell. Yes. I've heard about something. <clears throat> Some of us have heard about it. It's this thing called Brexit. Brexit. It turns out I don't know what it is. Coulter was trying to talk to me about it this morning. And I kind of thought it was something that, I mean, I've obviously heard of Brexit, but I thought it was just, it happened and was done. I thought they voted to leave the EU and that was just over with and done. Turns out that's yeah, not exactly man. true, I guess. It's not true, man. So what, tell me, what, what is it? Tell what, me what's what happening. Is, with with the Brexit is the question. Is that what you want? You wanted me to explain Brexit. Is that what we're saying? Well, I understand the concept. They want to, like, you know, the, the fine people of, of England have... Voted to leave, uh, yeah. the the you know the granola hippie liberal EU, yeah, uh, because you know of something I don't know what they don't like foreigners or something I don't know what the idea is there, uh, but that's uh, that's what Brexit is correct they vote they voted to leave the EU, that is correct the fifth something like fifty two percent of the country voted to leave the EU. Forty-eight percent of the country voted to stay in the EU. Mm-hmm. So, in a sort of first-past-the-post system, the fifty is a referendum. The fifty-two percent won the day, got yep. the touchdown, and so the uh, the process of leaving the of Britain leaving these sorts of uh, I don't know the sort of legal frameworks of being a member of the European Union supposedly went into um, you know kind of commenced. And there was this thing yeah. called. I mean, that commenced actually uh, through something called, there was something called Article 50, which was then enacted. And Article 50 is some sort of piece of legislation which began the process of leaving the EU. And that happened into Article 50 commenced in, or, you know, was signed into law or whatever in 2016 after the vote. And the date at the end of Article 50 that it had to happen by was the end of March 2019, which is where we are now. Yep. So it's a, and so that was um, when Britain would officially leave the EU and all like negotiations and frameworks and whatnot had should be theoretically were to be sorted out by then. Mm-hmm. Make a sense, sir? Yeah. See? Yeah, see, Basque. So that meant... Um, yeah, so and, and then there's just been... It's just, I mean... You know, God, I'm not going to give a definition of what's been going on since next. I mean, I think everyone, whether you're on the right, the left, on the centre, or in a different dimension, if you were if there was an, if you were an alien, like, and you were tuning into what was going on in the UK, and you, even if you didn't speak the language, understood nothing of the, you know, of planet Earth, you'd probably just look at the behaviour of people and just be like, the sh- the shit is hitting the fan. <laughs> yeah. Right. Don't know what's going on there. People ain't happy. There's all sorts of crazy nonsense going on. Yeah, I'm gonna and, I'm gonna um, cancel my vacation of, on Earth and get yeah, I'm gonna cancel my uh-huh. I'm gonna cancel my alien visitation to the yeah. UK. I'm gonna go to Siberia. It looks more peaceful. Yeah. And um, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go to the fjords of Norway. There's some pretty relaxed up there. Um, but yeah, it's just a sort of heady brew of nonsense. You know, all sorts of weird stuff. And it's like there's some weird nitty gritty that a lot of people just don't understand. 
I think, you know, there's just a lot of people in the country, I think to a degree, are just like, don't really know what the hell is going on anymore because every day it's just this sort of self-perpetuated media shit show of sort of screaming and shouting and uh, no one, it's one of those things like, you know, like in the how in America, I, I've been wondering this actually, obviously having spent time, a lot of time in the States and um, now that, you know, there's that sense in, in the States how people talk about what's going on in Washington as just being like deeply detached from the rest of life. Yeah. yeah, you know. I remember when I first went to Alabama. I remember being like, "Wow, it makes sense that they feel like they're not pro-government because they're so far away from what's going on." You know, it's yeah. like literally, it's one of those. You know, Colter, we, I think we mentioned it before. Like, you know, me flying to Birmingham like took the same amount of time as it probably would, you know, flying from London to Poland. You know, it's like an entirely different language. It's like the other side mm-hmm. of the British person in terms of the distance, but. I could sort of get to grips with this idea of not not being not feeling like the business of government in a federal sense in the U.S. has anything to do with your life, just purely out of the simplicity of geographic distance. You know, it's a long especially way, especially in like Montana. And, uh, yeah, especially in Montana, it just must have been like, what the fuck is going on over there? What's that got to do with me? But um, which would be the equivalent of like flying from London to like Moscow? It's like this yeah, it's is now Moscow. just a completely exactly. different like not, region of the world. Yeah, not even not, like there's nothing you know, connecting. Exactly. But um, in terms of that, just the emotion of that, you know, I think there's a degree to which, you know, and you, there's all this rolling news coverage of all the shit's going on in the in Congress in the States. And it's just, you know, what's happening? And there's that often that sense, isn't it, that, you know, it's the sort of the, the media itself is sort of, you know, sort of feeding off it. And it's, it's, it's almost like it's its own entity. Do you know what I mean? It's its own dimension of reality is going on over there. And you're entirely certain how much of it is actually affecting your day-to-day life, apart from that you're watching it a lot and it's making you feel a bit irate and you don't really understand exactly what's going on. And um, and I think there's a similar thing going on with the whole sort of Brexit, Westminster shenanigans uh, by this stage, and has been for some time, that you know, if you tune into the news or you look online or you know, sort of endless think pieces, it's this sort of like you know, sort of perpetual rat in a cage going around in a circle. And it's a bit difficult to keep track of exactly like what's happening, what's going on, whether it's the right thing or, you know, I broadly, I don't want to lay my own personal cards on the table. You know, I sort of, I voted to remain in the EU and I think I probably did it for slightly woolly reasons that sort of in a slightly sort of post second world war sense, I believe in the idea of the community of nations. And I also kind of thought that's something that Britain is itself. It's this funny collective of, nations rubbing up against each other you know yeah, and sort of and, f- and finding that sort of common ground even if it's really difficult at times is a sort of maybe a utopian idea but it's like a marriage isn't it you're sort of kind of committing to it hopefully that it's going to work out more to the in the positive than the negative and and I, I certainly felt like the eu's got a lot of problems i mean i'm not going to argue that it's perfect but i just kind of personally i was i made a my vote in some respects i think was maybe emotional like many people's votes for it against it you know i kind of thought it's better to be at the table to make the changes than it is to not be at the table you know i thought the benefits outweighed yeah. but i've heard from a lot of people who are you know anti-eu for very specific democratic reasons and things to do with certain laws and i can understand their points of view but you know but some of that nuance it feels like with what's been going on is not always being lost there are people writing and talking in, in quite a certain amount of detail but it's got to a level of like really intense sort of legal specifics i think at times at the moment you know so there's all these talks of these very exotic sounding things like there's this, literally there's this thing recently called the Malt House Compromise, oh. right? Suddenly uh-huh. the press were like, will we go with the Malt House Compromise? And there were like politicians on TV being like, the Malt House Compromise. We could never, we could never go with the Malt House Compromise. 
you know, and all suddenly I was like, what the fuck is the malt house compromise? Who's malt house? Where is it? Is it a place? Is it a sandwich? Like, um, <laughs> you know, what is, is it, a, is it is a sandwich? Because that made me is, hungry. Is it, uh-huh. it, it, sound, it sounds good, doesn't it? Like, give me yeah. the malt house. Give me the malt house on the house. Yeah, yeah let me get a malt house compromise. Yeah. I'll have a malt house, house Extra malt. Exactly. Give me a malt house compromise with extra cheddar. Thanks. And, um, but I think, as in, but you know, what I mean is that the malt house compromise was an actual thing and it was to do with this other imponderable mystery of Brexit, which is this thing called the Irish backstop, which is the thing, the thing that the whole Theresa May deal is entirely hinged on, which is to do with a hard border between North and South Ireland. And that's a big deal, you know. Yeah, that was what I wanted to ask. (laughs) Yeah, we we both wanted to ask about Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll definitely get to that. And I can't give you a straight answer because even it confuses me. But. You know, things like what I mean is that just almost from a language perspective or a news perspective, there's like there's so much shit going on. <laughs> They're just like throwing these, these these phrases are getting sort of chucking out into the consciousness of the nation, but they get talked about as if we already know what they are. You know, yeah. but by the, time you, by the time you turn on the news, someone's just like the Malthouse compromise will not stand. Brexit is a design, and you're just like the Malthouse. What the who? Who's compromising? What's going on? Who's Malthouse? Why or who's Malt and why are we in his house? You know, it's it's this is the sort of speed of events. Mm-hmm. You know, and of course, it mm-hmm. the Malthouse compromise there was literally a compromise come out come up with by a guy called Malthouse, who was trying to create something that everyone would be happy with because no one's happy with anything. So, good on him, good on him for trying. But Ready it's a confusing Malthouse. turn of a, c- c- yeah. Excellent he was trying effort, to sort Malthouse. Yeah. yeah, thank you, Malthouse. Um, he we was, will design a sandwich in your honor. Yeah, there should be a sandwich in his honor. We should certainly. I wonder what would be in it actually. If it's a compromise, it should be a compromise sandwich as well. Should be yeah, so. Yeah, Sandwich that will please all people. What would you reckon that would be? Is it even possible? That's the question. I think it's a double. It's a double cheeseburger, but to appease like people who are more ve- vegetarian, like see, one of the patties is uh, portobello mushroom cap. Yeah. See, I yeah, was thinking yeah. more of a, a like a pastrami sandwich with like a tofu spread. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I was thinking something similar to that, pastrami but you'd have a you'd yeah. have a, you'd, it would be a triple decker. You'd have a slice of a double decker. You'd have a slice of bread in the middle, dividing the burger or the pastrami oh, like and club the sandwich. or the mushroom. Okay. So, like a club sandwich that had the possibility, if you so it, it's something for everybody, but you can basically go, oh, actually, I don't want the meat. I'm just going to take the top half. Yeah. If you the you know house it, club. The point is, is it gives you the option. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, that's good enough. It sounds um, tasty. It, I don't think anyone went for it in the end, though. So maybe it wasn't as tasty as it looked in terms of Brexit. Yeah. In terms of the sandwich, well, the Brexit well, yeah. club sandwiches generally aren't as tasty. That extra hey, piece of bread now. is the extra piece of bread is too much. I the extra piece of bread is too much. Strongly disagree. No, the extra every the extra piece of bread is too much. We vote we vote Pete out. Uh, uh, this yeah. is a Pete, this is a Pexit. We <laughs> vote Pete we vote Pete. to leave. We lo- vote to leave, Pete. Guys. Club Pete sandwiches Pete 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 for life. Brexit. Club sandwiches for life. I have I have removed myself three from breads, the fire escape. Three breads I've, or no bread. I have left. We will. We have two years to iron out a deal. Oh, guys. Uh, so, my question is. Mm. Hold on. Let me just say something. I'd rather have a club sandwich than working plumbing in my house. Mm. That's how committed That's... I am. Preposterous. <laughs> <laughs> The gentleman, <laughs> the gentleman from this side of the couch would rather have a order, <laughs> 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 That's our uh, that's our imitation of Parliament. 
Well, I think that's not a bad imitation of Parliament because increasingly recently that's what it's just this sort of absolute jamboree of nonsense and no one really understands what the hell is going on. But that's kind of part of the great magic of British democracy, like the parliamentary system is, you know, you do, it's interesting, you feel like, can you imagine, can you just imagine for a moment, American listeners, if if you were to take a moment, you can probably find it on your cable channel, find BBC Parliament and you can just watch it happening. Then imagine if you see the equivalent of that happening in the US Congress where Donald Trump was forced three times, twice a week to turn up, three times a week, whatever it is, and do president's questions where he has to answer on his feet in the moment to every single elected representative of your country. Oh, boy. Well, they, like, mock him. He'd be well, in jail a lot him. faster. Yeah. Well, they mock him. well, every time he opens his mouth, they all go, boo. <laughs> I mean, just imagine if that happened in the States. It would be astonishing, wouldn't it? That's one of the things be. that's so interesting about the difference between the setups is that you know, the, the presidency is a slightly sort of regal institution that isn't it? in some respects. He's sort of set apart. You have to engage with the mucky day-to-day reality of the um, of yeah. what's going on in Congress. Whereas in the UK, I mean, whether it's better or worse, I literally have no judgment. But it's just fascinating that in the UK, the, the, par- the prime minister, who is the equivalent in terms of impact and decision-making, is forced to, by law, turn up. Yeah. You know, she's got, she's got to turn up. And um, people are allowed to shout with her a lot and ask her questions. I think that's the biggest difference is the because uh, you know like so the presidency is like a separate branch of government here the uh, the vice president is more of is more of the role of the go between between the co- between Congress and the executive branch like you know yeah. in a vote in the like the vice president is the president of the Senate so like in a vote between you know if it's a split 50 50 the the vice president has to take the tie-breaking vote etc but there's also not the there's a lot more wait your turn type stuff in congress it's not like the it's not a a group discussion like it is in the uk which i think is really funny it's also very funny to me like even funnier to me is to watch canadian parliament because it's the same (laughs) amount of like people yelling but the guy who i don't know what the name of the person who like uh, in in Britain, you'll have that like old dude that like sits at the front that like calms mm. everybody down and bangs a staff or, around and just, yeah, like, yeah. Order! He's, he's, and just he's yells called, at people. He's called the speaker, yeah, the speaker. Okay, the speaker. The yeah, yeah, John Burkow at the moment. It's really that's also another really fun job. Yeah, yeah. So, he also gets to start doing some shouting. Yeah. It's way less effect. It's it's a lot funnier in Canadian Parliament because all of the people arguing. I, I overheard like it was like in a. I forgot what story it was, but they played like a clip of Canadian Parliament, and whoever the Speaker of Canadian Parliament is, is like way too Canadian to do the job, like way too polite. He's uh-huh. like, "Oh, okay, guys, well, let's settle down now. Whoa, uh, well, okay, 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 well, oh, okay. instead of like, it's just way, it's it's like not quite as. Uh, it's just funny to see all these people yelling at each other and one like, men, "Well, you know, we don't we don't have to do that. Like, we could." Uh, Oh, okay. Well, okay. Well, okay. I certainly well, wouldn't want to do yell, something do you don't okay. like. Yeah. You know. So, sure fine. wouldn't want to do that. Yeah. So it sounds like a. Uh, <laughs> I feel like it sounds like a curling match. Whoa! 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 Hey. Hard! Hard! Whoa! Hard! Hard! It's exactly now. like a curling match. <laughs> it's a curling match of policy. Yeah. Uh, they're trying to just guide the pol- the. They put. <laughs> They put bill. They put laws, bills on a stone, on a curling stone, yeah, and, and then they try. That's how they pass the laws. Um, anyways, my big question 
uh, from earlier. I think both of our big question is so. There's a lot of a lot of the like debate as it's coming up to the to the end has like swung around two different things, um, which seem very important because there's no deal right now, and this is in this these are like the most pressing issues: how to get mm. goods and and uh, how to get imports and exports from Europe into the uk without it taking like a week at a time from delays oh, through all the checkpoints I mean, uh, astonishing stories rolling out like yeah. you know people, like supermarkets stockpiling food i mean it's like yeah. it's like war talk you know it's crazy yeah and then the other and, part that i don't quite understand but i know is bad is the hard border between northern ireland and yeah. the republic of ireland so this this is one of these historic things with that whereby both literally in the day to day like the the idea of being a hard border introduces you know things like guards and passport exchanges and it's already about trade in terms of the day to day as in you know trades moving between these localities because northern ireland is part of the united kingdom southern ireland is the republic of ireland its own country and part of the eu right so the key thing about this is the idea that southern ireland remains part of the eu had nothing to do with brexit not even part of britain you know it's its own country whereas northern ireland is still part of the united kingdom is a you know and i mean that comes under its law so suddenly it's no longer part of the eu even though actually it voted to stay in terms of the vote counts for that but specifically the hard would be because trade has to go between the two and if there's a new trade treaty and they're not part of the common you know the sort of the customs union and all free movement all these things if brexit is in that respect then there's the idea that then you need form of a border to necessitate all the things that come with being separate countries you know what i mean but it's not just about trade it's also about something symbolic and the symbolism, of course, is the history of the difference between Northern Ireland and Southern Ireland, and particularly as regards the Troubles in Northern Ireland, which was, you know, a former civil, not even a former civil war in many respects, but one that was played out in sort of what gets called domestic terrorism, I guess, for many, many years, and many people died, murdered, killed this, on either side. This you know, is it's like IRA and all the IRA and yeah, but it's. Is this what they call a sectarian war that played out on religious differences between Catholicism and Protestantism in many respects? Yeah. Not just many respects. I mean, that's the sort of broad divide, but also in national terms as well. So the you know the sort of Irish nationalism in terms of Southern Ireland or you know Ireland Ireland as um, you would say probably technically is obviously a broadly Catholic country um, in history, and the IRA who who were in Northern Ireland fighting. <laughs> A united Ireland for Northern Ireland to become part of Ireland as a whole, but therefore part of that tradition in the Catholic community. Whereas in Northern Ireland, the Protestant side of things, I mean, broad, this is all very broadly speaking, had their own form of, you know, a paramilitary, paramilitary wings, um, and both of whom uh, attacked each other with a variety of sort of terrorist acts or would be termed terrorist acts or acts of war depending how you want to talk about it or look at it from that each perspective and it went on for a long time and the british army was very present and there was all sorts of horrible shit happened on both sides and then there was the most important thing of all this of course is that in the 90s there was something called the northern Ireland peace process and something called the good friday agreement which was set up to form a form of if i'm getting that i think i'm getting this correct a form of power sharing agreement in northern ireland between the two sides and it's considered to be one of the most important pieces of legislation. But one of the fundamental ideas of that was that there is a soft border between northern and south. See, that's yeah, that's the thing I don't yeah. quite understand. Yeah, so why that's so important. Thing, 
the reason why it's so important is is about the symbol of it, right? Yeah. It's saying that is to try and keep both sides happy, right? So it's a bit like saying I'm trying to think of an equivalent. Um, but the key thing is that they were fighting. People were dying and were, being, and were being murdered on an almost daily basis for a long period about the basis of what that border stands for, that there yeah. shouldn't be a border even, that should be an entirely united island. Whereas what the Good Friday Agreement kind of reached in a loose sense, I mean, I can't talk about the legalistic frameworks because I just don't know them in any detail, but in a loose sense, what they said is that the border can be soft because we're all in the EU for one, so we don't want the border to be hard, mm. you know. But also, more importantly, almost like spiritually or like, you know, or kind of, you know, humanely speaking or whatever, the word would be for that but is the fact that they're saying that the nationalistic side was saying that we're willing to say that the protestant side of matters you know the uk side there was some you know, that they couldn't change their minds in the because it had been too ruinous and so they were acknowledged that northern ireland was still its own territory in some capacity under uk law but then at the same time, the the compromise, you know, the Malthouse compromise, if you will, you know, was that there was no need for a hard border and that people could move freely between South and Northern Ireland and feel a part of the larger island at the same time. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it was like these sort of like fundamental sort of, it was a sort of a bridging idea, you know, so without yeah. a border. So if you were to go to Ireland now, there's no sense that border really. I mean, you'll see signposts, but it used to be there were, you know soldiers up and down the border like the border was a dangerous territory in northern ireland back then because there was an exchange of you know all sorts of stuff going on in terms of the troubles and the fighting you know so there's a profound i think what you'll hear from if you read if you read some of the most interesting things around brexit about what they call the irish backstop is this idea of there being a time frame for there being a soft border or a soft border or not or a hard border that they and the irish government with the eu is saying there can never be a hard border ever again because it's yeah. too the the ghosts of that past can't be raised, and also because it, it makes trade and an absolute nightmare. But whereas, so, and the problem around that is of Brexiteers, if they're wanting a hard Brexit, completely detached from the rest of the EU, then if there's if there's no trading relationship or legal relationship as part of the EU customs union between Northern Ireland and Southern Ireland, I know this is complicated. Then that almost necessitates the idea of there being some form of a hard border because there's no free flow, there's no law framework between the two countries anymore. Does that make sense? So they've been trying to sort of find some sort of, that's what I think Malthouse Compromise is all about, and I can't remember the details, but it was around trying to find, this is what's been going on for months, is this idea about trying to find some sort of middle ground whereby the border can remain soft, Yeah. you know, without the, without the ghosts of that past being reared. And some of the most interesting articles or like commentary has been, has been from Irish commentators talking about the predominant view of a lot of the people who are pro-Brexit, or the politicians particularly, the sort of hard, what they get called the hard Brexiteers, that they just have a, they're, they're sort of deeply ignorant. This is what they're saying. You know, I can't really vouch for the truth of this because I don't feel well informed enough, but a lot of the commentary is that they're deeply ignorant of Irish history and they're taking the severity of that history for granted by yeah. just by just desiring there to be another hard border thrown up between the two so, countries and they're not understanding the power of that symbol and i mean i that go i that feels convincing to me because you know the history is present right you know i think mm. we all agree on that one and it's, and it's recent history in northern ireland i mean that's not and people that those communities and those divisions are still very present it's a very precarious situ situation or you know or so it's said and, you know, and there's a lot of people from Ireland that are just saying that you, this absolutely can't be allowed to happen, you know, and I think for good, for good reason. So that's so why that's such a hot issue. Did the, did the Irish, I guess the Republic of Ireland that's 
Oh, I'm sorry. Is the is the Northern Ireland that's British? Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah, so yeah, did well, they? Did they? Do you know if did they get to vote in Brexit? Yeah, everyone Northern Ireland. Yeah, they voted to yeah. remain. They voted to remain. Yeah. Because they were like this border. Scotland also this voted like, to remain. Yeah. yeah. But Wales did not, which is one of the most interesting things for any um, expat Welshman um, that, uh, or internationally leaning Welshman. The Wales voted, I think, fifty-five to forty-five or something like that to to leave. Yeah. Well, Wales is the south of, uh, of, of, of the UK. Well, that's what we've as, as we as as we know. Yeah. And that's really, I mean, that's that's such a strange. Because Coulter was trying to, you know, he was explaining to me this morning because I, I, you know, I hadn't even thought about the the Irish kind of perspective on Brexit. Because I, I think about it just as England. You know, I kind of forget about the other stuff, the other Beatles. Um, well, I think you're right to do so, Pete, in a funny sort of way, but not in the way that you does take up a lot the, of air. Yeah. yeah, not the not the way that you think. I mean, yeah. I think there's a strong argument to be said that look, Brexit is a very English phenomenon, but obviously Wales has voted for it, so you can't fully make that argument. Sure, yeah. Um, but 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 the way it's being portrayed or the way it's talked about does feel like it's sort of is steeped in a sort of a, an Englishness, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and uh, you know, and and that is a weird mix, and it also does extend into sort of a Britishness, but it's a sort of little England uh, mentality for me, which is a yeah. very particular form of interpretation or sort of character in in Englishness. It's hard to really put into words, but it's, you know, it's like an island mentality. Do you know what I mean? As yeah. well, not interested in outsiders, and um, and I think what you're seeing in a lot of the debates is a sort of a, confront, a confronting of the idea of what Britain stands for, what England means. You know, yeah. there's all this. You know, it's just mental. You look at some of the stuff on the news, and there's people literally, you know, invoking the Second World War and saying the Germans aren't to be trusted. I mean, it's just bananas. You know, yeah. like, it's like what you're well, talking what's about. So, but what's all so the funny... ghosts of these things are rising. Do you know what I mean? And it's kind of fascinating from yeah. a distance. But, well, um, you know what, what's funny to me is that you know, obviously here in the states, we're going through. I don't think it's quite as uh, there's not nearly as many moving parts and I think the repercussions are a little more localized but like you know our thing with the border with Mexico and Trump trying to build a stupid wall and all that crap it, there it, it's an interesting thing that oh I think they're very similar in many respects I yeah yeah completely. totally yeah. I think I think our I think ours is a little more zoomed in you know obviously I think Brexit has global implications whereas ours is more local, you know, not to say that it only affects people on bo- on the border, but it, it, clearly the stuff we do affects other people. Yeah, like totally. in a large sense. But like the if Brexit like tanks the British economy, that yeah, doesn't that just are, tank the British that economy. That's that a takes, big that stone tank, in the pond. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. a that's a problem. But I think it, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, I don't feel well first enough to comment on the economic implications. I think they could be pretty broad, but I think that also you might argue a lot of people make a lot of money out of it, and there's a lot of people saying that because of the nature of the currency markets and all that sort of stuff. You know, you can sell and buy currency and futures of currency and all that jazz. But um, mm-hmm. but I think the one thing that's really similar between the two countries, I mean, you know, I remember when Brexit happened, uh, I remember then coming back to the States and just feeling like Trump was going to win just on the basis, because no, no one thought Brexit was going to happen, you know, yeah. but... Uh, um, but I think they're very similar in many respects, you know, in terms of, I think in, in the most sort of generic way, it's the sort of cultural war feeling, do you know what I mean? It's the sense of two nations, which are broadly the sort of leading Western nations of the past in terms of cultural currency over the past few hundred years, mm-hmm. um, in terms of how they've defined sort of a cultural viewpoint on the rest of the world in many respects. Um, I think there's a certain amount of, um, you know, confronting what those countries mean and stand for and how they might be in the future you know like uh, there's, there's a sort of um you know whether you want to take that sort of 
psychological perspective or not, but you definitely get the sense, being back in the UK, you know, you read in the press and the sort of debates, you know, people even talking about the legacy of Winston Churchill, which is fascinating, you know, it's really bizarre. Like, one of the things that came out of that Liam Neeson story, no word of a lie, right, was this, so Neeson said that incredibly weird thing about um, wanting to kill a black man when he was from 30 years ago, and then you know how that played out here in all sorts Get of weird ways. Things I noticed kosh. was, yeah, exactly with the cosh, and um, yeah, what? Um, but one of the weird things that came out from that is this like footballer called John Barnes. I think I mentioned him in the show we were talking about that incident. But John Barnes is a sort of soccer hero, you know. Yeah. Also a black, also a black man, and he has a very interesting perspective on a lot of these things. You know, he w- went on TV and, and on radio saying that he was glad it was said. Because he was like his theory is obviously is actually a very something that a lot of people believe, which is that racism is a reflection of wider societal structures, you know, mm-hmm. and sort of belief systems that people can absorb. It's you know that a root it's a lie, but you know there's reasons why people that it's not just a sort of a nebulous sort of you know meaning mm-hmm. meaning it has connection to a sort of wider sort of you know histories and structures, and that's something I'm certainly interested in. But he was voicing that to say that he was glad it was voiced because it shows how these things are true. But then he went on to talk about Winston Churchill. This is why I'm mentioning it now. <laughs> you know? And then it was like the whole debate like morphed into this sort of extraordinary, in many respects it played out in all sorts of forms, but it was about the legacy of British heroes who also have, you know, in some respects, like difficult, there's difficult aspects of their own historical legacies involving yeah. You know, you know, church. I actually don't feel anyone informed about Churchill, but you know, in terms of his what he did in the Second World War. Yeah, I think the big know, thing is the uh, the Indian famine and the Indian famine, exactly. So but it was just, but yeah, just more broadly speaking, it was just so fascinating in this time of Brexit that there was this like little to show you how swiftly these things are moving in the in the climate, you know, in the cultural climate. There was Neeson saying that in an interview for a revenge thriller, which then obviously blew up given the current whatever the debates are like at the moment you could see why that happened but then there was a footballer you know not that a footballer shouldn't be, be knowledge about these things but you know he came on and spoke widely about the sort of wider cultural backgrounds and histories of these things yeah. and then it became a debate about the colonial history of the uk and winston churchill within the <laughs> yeah. matter of about half a day it, but yeah it just know? ballooned out and whether you, yeah, and all I mean is that whether you think that's right or wrong or whatever, you know, it was just sort of extraordinary, just a witness it's unfold. Just quick. That quickly, yeah, in yeah. terms of, that's what I mean, in terms of the sort of lightning quickness that the subject matter shifted, given the sort of context of what's going on in the UK, it was just sort of astonishing from a distance, you know. And obviously yeah. some people were like John Barnes who's speaking about his shit, you know, and people defending Churchill, and then also, also just like taking apart his you know, his argument in other ways or whether it is about wider societal things or whether Neeson should be forgiven in that context. All that stuff was going on, you know, whatever you think about that, it's kind of, I mean, I, we're not lingering on that today, but I just am talking up about the, how what's going on in the cultural climate about our Brexit. And I think also in the own way in the States, you know, how all these, a lot, so many of these issues are really bringing up, this is this sort of looping around historical issues that's happening within a, like a nanosecond, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. You know? And it's sort of extraordinary how history is being bridged in that respect at Which the I moment. You know, it's like they whether you think, are... you think they're relevant or not, it's kind yeah. of the point sort of that it's happening in that way, you know. I think it's all important too, but I do think that there is a some of it is like you can talk about good things or do good things in a way that's not productive or distracting. Like as in 
and that's not me saying like we got to push all these things you know like i think that can be be an excuse used by people in power to not do stuff uh it's just like oh we just can't deal with that right now we have too much other things going on but at some point like with that with like you like sometimes i think that the distractions get put out there on purpose Mm. in order to muddy the things like like brexit or like this state of emergency border wall situation it's like wait hold on we have to not deal with like all these other things are very important but it's like the president is using a state oh, yeah, of emergency yeah, yeah. to do something to 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 take a bunch of power to divert a bunch of money to do something that just is objectively not an emergency. Yeah, like yeah, state yeah, of, of emergencies are like, declared when nine eleven happens. Yeah, not there's a great exactly. now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's a great story that came from one of the last British elections, which came from a political advisor. And I don't know. I mentioned this before, but it's just speaking to what you're saying, Carter. Which there's this guy called Linton Crosby who worked for the Conservative Party, and he's a sort of political PR man, you know. And um, he manages their campaigns. You know, he's a sort of Lord of Darkness in that respect. You know, he's the sort of PR dude behind the politics. And um, and uh, but he was into in some interview or something. He was he talked about something called um, the the dead cat on the table. We talked about this before. And, um, uh, and the dead, the, yeah, the dead cat on the table is the sort of the when you want the if you want bad news out, you distract, you know, as a policy, yeah. and so you throw a dead cat on the table, and then everyone's looking at the dead cat whilst the other stuff is, um, you know, shimmied out the front door. Yeah, yeah. So it's 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 that funny idea. I mean, and I don't think it's necessarily even about having to lean into conspiratorial ways of thinking, you know. It's just like that's the business of government. You know, sometimes they don't want things oh. to have as much impact as other things. So it's like the dead cat. I mean, and I'm, since then, that's become a, bit of a meme, it, become a bit of a meme in UK politics when they think, yeah. you know, the government of any stripe is trying to get, <laughs> you know, trying to get a bad news day out of the way. I don't They're think just that's like, conspiratorial that. at all. No, yeah. that's just strategy. That's just what yeah. people do. The, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, I think what's so weird to me about the whole Brexit situation is like there's all of these different, you know, think pieces and stuff like that and like all all of these things but it does to me feel very simple simple especially in talking about like what's going on with ireland and it's Mm -hmm. like okay if there is a hard border there's a good chance that there will be violence and maybe people will die yeah period so what how do you justify that like so that has to be fixed like that's one of those things where it's just like i don't really see a way if you just willingly walk into that it's just like you're an idiot. But like, people, this is stupid. Yeah. But that's like the most normal thing in the world. Government, but I know, but government's saying, making decisions that are going to affect the lives and deaths of people. Guys, yeah. And guys, not caring. Guys, but the guys, government did um, you know, that is the, you're 100% correct, Colter. I mean, that's a glaring example. But there's all sorts of other glaring examples that as a result of that aren't getting as much. You know, if, if there's a no-deal Brexit, right, every single British citizen in the EU, not actually some countries you see in the EU have now started to make sort of bridging agreements saying, don't worry, we'll look after your people. Because the British, at the moment, if there's a no-deal Brexit, everyone loses their rights wherever they, if they might be living there for 30 years. Yeah. So they have to like move, yeah. Oh, are you saying if you like, if you live in Switzerland? Yeah, Switzerland or whatever. I see Switzerland. Oh yeah, they're not in the EU. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, France or something. You'll, you'll be fine. Yeah. Um, probably you're rich and eating lots of chocolate. And um, but uh, yeah, so if you're in France or whatever, you know, they're, they're, they're all saying nice things, which is like, hey, don't worry, look, we'll do our best to make sure that you know we, we'll get work visas up and running. But 
the point is, and like people losing their health care, I mean, it's kind of, it's crazy. You know, hundreds of thousands of people are going to be in like serious difficulty if that goes through. But, the, you know, the people who are pro it's as if it's like, no, don't worry about it. <laughs> like, for the, don't worry, it's for the greater good. It's for the greater good. You know, yeah, and think about like the smaller countries that maybe don't have the resources or like don't have enough time to figure out like a bridging deal like what do you do if you're yeah. living in like a small european country that is a part of the eu that has not figured out some type of bridging deal and you're a british citizen and now yeah. england is not or you know the, the uk is now no longer in the eu it's like and you technically autism. are yeah. now an elite an undocumented immigrant or, yeah, it's suddenly you know. like you're you're so you're undocumented immigrants suddenly suddenly your taxing your tax situation is up shit you know all these things yeah. you know you have to reapply for a work visa but it you know in in germany 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 uh, but you Sorry, know say that again in germany germany um there we go that's what that's why i left a gap um they you know they're saying and germany is like the most pro-eu country in all the eu for very good reasons in many respects um especially if you were EU hater, you might say that Germans are pro EU for all sorts of nefarious reasons. But um, mm -hmm. but you know they even they're they are saying take over. No, we'll take our money. Um, but you know even they are saying that um, you know if there's a no deal at the end of March, you know everyone loses their residency and then you have to reapply for a work visa. None the broader sense, you know, there's even people who are just you know enacting what was their rights to go to any EU country and just try and start a new life. Maybe they haven't got their shit together yet. Suddenly it's like all up in the air. But there are people equally who've been there for twenty years who suddenly lose all of their protections, and it's yeah, kind of I mean, it's mad. But, but there's and like, what about the people that live the in there? But there are lots of people. You know, I think the, the UK. UK government, I don't want to be. I don't want to be a complete doom naysay. I mean, I think they are at the moment. There's, you know, you, you're seeing in the news, you know, like other, certain countries are saying, "Don't worry, your rights will be protected." So it's all kind of sort of happening piecemeal. But there's this but just the uncertainty is also yeah, it's, like it's just extraordinary. Yeah, it's yeah. Just, it's incredibly weird. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's what I mean that's what our country did. That's what you're you know people are people are super into just making big decisions with wide reaching ramifications that they don't quite understand. That they just yeah or just or haven't even tried to understand. Yeah, like not even spent. They just like oh yeah, pro life judges, let's go. Or you know I don't want I don't know what I don't Yemeni people in my country. Yeah, let's do it. Mm -hmm. And it's just like. Yo, dude, like you were telling, Coulter was talking earlier about a flour importer in, in England. And like the guy's just like, oh, yeah, I didn't really think about that. <laughs> like, like, bro, that's your job. That's it your might whole take life. a week for his truck to get in, at which point in time the flowers that he is importing will be dead. Yeah, it's just like John Oliver made a joke, but he's like, yeah, because generally that's a problem because people want flowers now and alive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's it seems crazy, but it's also the most people thing in the entire world. Yeah, it's just what we do over and over and over again. Um, so I don't know, man. Good luck, good luck, England and Ireland. And <laughs> good everybody. luck, I, I don't know what to say. Uh, it's <laughs> I don't know. On that note, I think it's a uh, it's yeah. about time to wrap up. We didn't really talk too much state of emergency stuff, but just know that it is also stupid. Yeah, there uh, isn't one. There isn't an emergency. That's that's really those are the that's the question. If you're if you're wondering, man, why are they declaring a state of emergency? We don't know. Just cause. Just because it's not an emergency. Because we because we can. There's nothing emergent going yeah. on about it. Uh, he, 
he, the president even admitted to it. He said, I could do this over a longer period of time. If you could do this over a longer period of time. Not an emergency. Like, this is like going to the emergency room for a cold. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just like, what are you doing? Yeah. This is stupid. It's not an emergency. Oof. It's a waste of money. <laughs> it's diverting money away from states. Like, I read on, on AL.com that Alabama is going to lose $7 million in federal money if this goes through. Yeah, we ain't got that. Yeah, I'm just like, that's cool. That's not that's not what we need. Um, yeah. Anyways, uh, as long as they don't take away money from Nick Saban, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, this has been the Firescape. You can find us on the internet at Firescape Pod on all the social media. Send us an email. Explain to us Brexit. Explain to us uh, the troubles. Whatever it is that you want to explain to us. Firescape Pod at uh, gmail dot com. That's right. There we go. Mm-hmm, at mm-hmm. gmail. Firescape Pod at aol dot com. Just kidding. That won't go anywhere. Nope. Um, you can look us up on Ask Jeeves. You can look us up on Metacrawler. You can look us up on Netscape. Uh, yep. Any of those. <laughs> uh, Angel Fire. Um, I have been Culture Longshore at Culture Levi on all the social media. You can find me at Buttermilk underscore Pete on the Instagrams. And Howl, much like the state of emergency, cannot be found. Yep. <laughs> Not real. Um, and uh, we have been the Firescape yet again. Find Howell uh, walking around Trafalgar Square trying to figure out what exactly is going on. Yeah. He'll be wearing <laughs> a, a press hat uh, with you will, Firescape you will pie credentials. Me, you, you will find me looking very confused. Yeah. Little pork pie hat with a piece of paper that says press in it. Yep. That's where, that's where it, in, a, in a trench coat. That's what Howell will be running around with a little uh, notebook. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, thanks for listening, y'all. What are we hearing here? Lil and Hum? Yep, Lil and Hum. It's going to play us out. Yeah. What's the name of the song? It's called Slow. Slow, that's it. Right on. Thanks for listening, y'all. Thanks. Hello. Bye. All right, it's done. Thanks, guys. Sorry, I got thrown a suit. Get out of here. Let's breathe. Yeah, go ahead. Go help. See you later. Bye. The days are getting shorter, and you can feel it in the air. Yes, it's that time of year. Pumpkin is finally back at Dunkin'. It's the cozy you've been craving all summer long, now in your cup at Dunkin'. Pick up all of your pumpkin favorites, like the signature pumpkin spice iced latte, or a pumpkin iced coffee, and bakery items like pumpkin donuts and muffins. Sip into something comfortable to celebrate the start of cozy season. Use the Dunkin' app for contactless ordering. America runs on Dunkin'. The days are getting shorter, and you can feel it in the air. Yes, it's that time of year. Pumpkin is finally back at Dunkin'. It's the cozy you've been craving all summer long, now in your cup at Dunkin'. Pick up all of your pumpkin favorites, like the signature pumpkin spice iced latte, or a pumpkin iced coffee, and bakery items like pumpkin donuts and muffins. Sip into something comfortable to celebrate the start of cozy season. 
Use the Dunkin' app for contactless ordering. America runs on Dunkin'.